ways leads to our joyful end. Be still, my soul, to take, to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your God, the days let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds shall know. His voice who ruled them dwelt in below. Be still, my soul, though dearest friends depart, and all is dark in this veil of tears. Then you will be to know his love, his heart, who comes to soothe your sorrows and your fears. Be still, my soul, your Jesus can repay. From his own fullness all he takes away. Be still, my soul, the heart is hastening on. When we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow for God, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord.
Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. For to you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon thee. In the day of my trouble I call upon thee, for you answer me. For great is your steadfast love toward me, you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world. 
Have mercy upon us, thou that takest away the sin of the world. Receive our prayer, thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father. Have mercy upon us, for thou only art holy. Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, and that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The first lesson from the Old Testament is written in the 17th chapter of the first book of the Kings, beginning at the 17th verse. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times. And he cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down, and from the upper chamber into the house, and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in, your is in your mouth is true. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion, he appears in his glory. The epistle lesson is written in the third chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, beginning at the 13th verse. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Lord, the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Alleluia! You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Alleluia! gospel is written in the 17th chapter of St. Luke, beginning at the 11th verse. Be to thee, O Christ. Soon after the healing of the centurion slave, Jesus went to a city called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the city, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of a mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion upon her. And he said to her, Do not weep. And he came to her and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him to his mother. And fear seized them all, and they all glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, 
the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation, and down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The distinction between the soul and the body is something really foreign to the Hebrew mind, especially the ancient Hebrews, those that bring us the scriptures. A live man to them is a living soul, a nefesh, and a dead man is a dead soul, again, a nefesh. Death is not to the Hebrew annihilation. So long as the body exists, the bones at least remain. The soul exists like a shade in a condition of extreme weakness in the subterranean abode of Sheol. Thus Isaiah 49, 14.9 tells us, Sheol from beneath is excited about you to meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth it has raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nations, they will speak and say to you, have you become as weak as we? Have you become one of us? Thus, biblically speaking, these ideas account for the care bestowed on the corpse by the ancient Hebrews. To the Hebrew, there's a great importance in honorable burial, for the soul continued to feel what was done to the body. Hence, to be left unburied, the prey of birds or wild beasts, or to be lost in the sea and be consumed by the animals in the ocean, that was the worst of all curses. And yet the corpse, which is doomed to corruption, and the tomb which contained it is also corrupt, was still considered to be very important. That's why Abraham purchased land to bury his beloved Sarah. That's the reason why Joseph, though he was embalmed, which is, very, which is unusual, only Joseph and Jacob were embalmed, still wanted his bones returned to be buried with his fathers in the Holy Land. Yes, it's very important what happens to the dead. According to the Hebrew mind, it's very important. In fact, the Hebrews are the ones we read in Genesis 46, 4, who, who close the eyes of the dead so that they look like they're sleeping. Because to the believer, death is but sleep. Because one day we know because of the promises of Christ and because of His victory on the cross and His wonderful resurrection on Easter, that even though our bodies will one day be buried, yet, in, yet they will be raised, glorious bodies, like unto His glorious body in the resurrection. So for the believer, death is but a sleep for the body. Yes. And although the body was considered by the Hebrews to be unclean, the dead body, yet relatives would embrace the body. We saw this when Jacob died. How Joseph shed tears and embraced and kissed his father. Yes. The body is precious to the Hebrew thought. It's very precious. And why is it precious? Well, we New Testament Christians believe that it's precious because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Christ became incarnate of the, of the Virgin Mary and was made man so that he might not just merely save the soul, but also redeem the body. Yes, to the Hebrews and the early Christians, the body is very important. And we see the care taken at death by the Hebrews. How when Jesus was taken down from the cross, how Joseph of Arimathea laid him in a, in a, in a, in a, in a fine linen sheet and buried him in his own tomb. But the poor, though they were wrapped in grave clothes, we know from John 11, with the resurrection of Lazarus, the poor were buried in the ground, like we bury most of our dead in the ground. They were. And they were fully clothed. We know this from archaeology. 
And the Hebrews, they never burned their dead. No. To burn the dead, according to Genesis 38, Leviticus 20, and 21.9, was an outrage. So the Hebrews never did that. They would never want anybody but the most evil annihilated forever. No, they put them in God's acre and treated them with the respect and care of their creator. According to Roland Duval in his, his definitive work, Ancient the Israelites, Customs and Traditions. And in today's gospel lesson, when Jesus enters Nain, the crowd is going to a funeral, are they not? I mean, we see the, the processional, the buyer is being born, the dead body upon it, the widow trailing the body, and it's her only son. She has no more family, no one to take care of her in the world, no one to defend her. He's being put into, into the ground just as her husband was previously. And what happens, though? What happens when Jesus Christ, he sees the widow and a large crowd? And what does Christ do? He says to her, do not weep. And he came and he touched the open coffin. And those who carried him, that is the dead man, stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Young man, I say to you, arise. And the man sat up and he began to speak. And he took him and he gave him to his mother. That's pretty awesome. That's really amazing. And from this lesson today, today's lesson on the widow of Nain's son's funeral, we learn a few things about Jesus Christ and about God, our Creator. Some really important lessons. You see, we see Jesus at, at Nain completely transforming funerals from only an occasion of, of, of sadness and death and transformed into an occasion of rejoicing in life. In fact, the ancient Christians, some of you may know, the ancient Christians celebrated people's deaths rather than their birthdays. Because blessed are the dead that die in the Lord that they may rest from their labors and their good works do follow them. Yes. We see Jesus first completely transforming the funeral. He shows us first that it's normal and okay to mourn the dead. Absolutely. To mourn the dead. They're, they're, they're in a procession of mourning. They're, 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 going to a, they're going to the graveside. Just as Jesus wept at, his, at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, so the people no doubt here are weeping as well. Because Jesus understands the tragic consequences of our sin. That's the reason we die. Because the wages of sin is death. Right? It's true. And why do we weep at funerals? Because death is abnormal. God did not mean for man to die. That was a choice our forefathers made for us and themselves. And God hated that choice so much that he was incarnate of a virgin Mary and made man. And like this piece of artwork represents, he died on a cross so that he would undo the deeds of the first Adam. Jesus, the second Adam, died for us and all of us from the very beginning to the very end. Right? God understands. He does. And that's why he wept at Lazarus' funeral. And yet he intervenes. He intervenes and tells the widow, do not, do not weep. Now, why does he do that? Because it sounds so, so wrong, doesn't it, for people to tell me to not weep at the funeral of my loved ones? Isn't that kind of offensive? I mean, I take offense by it. If, if it's my loved one in the casket, you tell me not to weep. I'm offended. Right? So don't tell me that. 
just for future reference, right? I don't want to hear that. But yet Jesus says that. Now, why does he say that, though? Well, he says that after he had compassion upon her, after he splachnuximide her. See, the word splachna, to have compassion in the Greek, is different from the English word for compassion. It's an untranslatable word. It means that you so completely identify with the suffering of the person in front of you or the people around you that, that their suffering is your suffering. Their pain is yours. You don't know anymore where their pain stops and yours begins. That might as well have been, might as well have been his son on the buyer or his brother in the coffin. That's how closely Jesus is identifying with the, with the suffering and the agony of this widow who is burying her only son. And so when he says to her, do not weep, he's saying it not as a rebuke, but as a consolation. Because you know who can tell me not to weep? My wife can tell me not to weep if it's our son in the coffin. Or my brother can tell me not to weep if it's our father in the coffin or mother in the coffin. And that's how Jesus is speaking to her. Do not weep. He's speaking as one person who is mourning with the other person as a consolation, not as a rebuke. As one grieving family member to another. Because you see, when Jesus was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and made man, he became our brother. And our Father who art in heaven became our Father. And Jesus can say, do not weep. But the key is that he had compassion upon her. And it's from that compassion that he acts. And he transforms this funeral procession from a procession of death to a, to a celebration, truly a celebration of life. Not merely remembrance of something that had happened, but now something that is, is happening. Look at what he did. He said, to the, he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and spoke. And then he delivered the young man to his mother. What the widow and the crowd believed about that day had completely radically forever shifted, had changed absolutely forever. They thought today was a day of death, a day of burial, a day of endings, and yet it became a day of beginnings. How radical is God? How wonderful is the Lord? He takes our endings and he makes a new beginning. He does this. And how did he do it? He did it with his word. He said with his word, I say to you, young man, arise. And you know what? You know what's really great about this? Is Jesus does the same thing for us today. Right now, this morning. He does the same thing. He comes to us through his word. The words of eternal life. The words that transform us. The words that do the thing they say they're going to do. He comes to us. And he speaks that word to us. And that's how we know that blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. That they rest from their labors and their good works do follow them. Revelations 14, 13. Right? That's how we know that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Matthew 5, verse 4. And how are we comforted? We're comforted by Jesus' own words. Because you see, Jesus comes to the waters and he says, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Right? Jesus' words tell us that unless you are born again of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And yet in holy baptism, what, do we, what happens to us? We are born again of water and the Holy Spirit. We are born again. 
not with corruptible seed, but with incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, as Peter says in his first epistle. Yes, yes, our Lord Jesus Christ tells us that whoever believes and is baptized, as I said in Mark 16, 16, shall be saved. Yes, baptism is the antitype which now saves us, as Peter talks about it in his first epistle as well. Furthermore, Jesus doesn't end there merely with holy baptism. No, his words also beckon us to come to him and take and eat and take and drink his true body and his true blood, which he gave and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So that in holy communion, the holy Eucharist, the holy Thanksgiving, right, we taste and see the sweetness of the victory of Golgotha. From Christ's table in his holy supper, we taste the sweetness of Jesus' victory over sin, death, and the devil. And from this eating and drinking, and from his promises attached as well to baptismal water, we know that whenever we leave this world, whenever that happens, that that is the day we will be with him in paradise. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Welcome this morning, everyone. We're really glad to have you here. And um, just note the blue news for this week. Right after today's sermon uh, service, um, we will be having a reception uh, for Ray Johnston, and uh, we're happy to see a lot of his family here. It's really a blessing to have you all here. Thank you for coming. I know that uh, he's very happy you're here, and I, I am too. It's really great to see a lot of you all. Um, some of you have become very, very, very grown up. It's awesome. It's really neat. And uh, so that's what's going on today from 1130 to 130. And, um, and then later on the week, just note the, um, the schedule for the week. Of course, Family Ed Night is Wednesday. Everything's going on there. Picture taking is still going on, etc. So just note that, and if anything applies to you, um, get in touch with uh, the deaconess or one of our elders or myself uh, about it. We have a couple prayer requests. One is Kim Clay is, is at home recovering from her surgery on Monday and, and doing much, much better. And uh, then also one of our members, Paul Dieterding, is going to be having a major surgery on his shoulder on Tuesday at Thomas. And he asked that we pray for him uh, you know, during the week that it, it goes well and that his recovery is you know, without, a, without any hiccups or anything. So. And then finally, we also pray for Florida and, and South Carolina and, and all the areas affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, it was um, it's, it's a tragedy when, when these things come, come across the coast, as we all know so well here on the Gulf Coast as well. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. The peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Doris and Mary Ann, for Bill and, and for Don, for Joyce and Mary, Mark and Eddie, Norma and Kim and Suzette, for Martha, Marilyn, Glenn, and Dean. For Terry and Jackie, Tony and Chris, Marion and Meredith. For James and George, Larry, Dean, and Earl. Suzette and Bob, Mallory and Mark. Hank and Haley, Jay and Tracy, Michelle, Carl and Karen. For Jimmy and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin. For Ron and Thelma, Jesse and Ralph. For Theo and Easton. For Doug and Hugh. For Waylon and Ryan. We also pray for the families of our parish who mourn, especially the Heil family, the Blunt and Davis families, the Chant family, the Blackwell and Cooper family, the Tabe and Rogers family, the Tuckle family, the Gross family, the Floriensig and Parsons family, the Freeman family, the Nielsen family, the Osbacher and Schwartz family, the Gallardian family, and the Whitfield family. We pray, Heavenly Father, also for those in our country's armed forces, especially Riley, Paul, Turner, Paul, and Hayden. And we pray for all of our university students, including Minnie and Noah, Katie and Dylan, Aiden, Jason, and Jacob. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, 
consolation of our right and devout and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. We also pray for our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office. Let us pray to the Lord. And recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead, let us pray to the Lord. We pray this day especially for all those affected by Hurricane Ian. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are the one who sends both tribulation upon us and also rescue. We pray now for rescue for all those who have endured the, uh, the battering of Hurricane Ian. We pray that you would restore them to their, to their former condition in a way that you know is best for them, that you would comfort them in this, their time of loss and tribulation, and that you would relieve them uh, as quickly as possible from the effects of the storm. We ask this in Jesus' name, who lives and reigns with you, Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We also pray uh, for Paul Dieterding, who will undergo surgery on Tuesday. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask you that you would have mercy upon Paul Dieterding as he will undergo surgery on Tuesday. We pray and implore thy aid for him, that you would use this surgery to restore him to his former health, so that he may render thanks to thee in thy church. We ask this through the name of Jesus Christ, our Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.